This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. If you like what you're hearing, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, you can join me on a live weekly call to talk about your next short-term rental or ask questions about the one you already have. I am live once per week on Zoom. I would love to have you come and say hello. It's strquestions.com. That's strquestions.com. Come and join us. All right, here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Short-term rental management with Luke. And uh, today we got a fantastic guest who has probably the coolest name in the business, uh, Justin Ford. Sound like a movie star. I love it. Um, and uh, Justin is... Uh, is a safety expert. So, uh, Justin, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this whole thing. Yeah, safety. I'm, I'm glad that you made my my first my name sound exciting because usually people then hear safety and go, "Oh, that sounds boring." Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been in the short term rental industry now for I started in 1997, so at 26 years. Um, I always like to joke to people. I don't know if it's true. I haven't checked his age, but I think I've been doing rentals since uh, Brian Chesky at Airbnb was in diapers. Um, it, it at least tries to to highlight that I've been around doing this for quite a while. Um, I started the uh, a vacation rental company with one property up in Maine, co-founded that and grew that into the largest vacation rental company in all of New England um, when I sold my shares in the company in 2017. And we did uh, boat rentals, uh, sold real estate, we did weddings and events, did all of it. And at one time managed up to about 600 properties um, along the entire 300 miles of Maine coastline. Uh, People used to joke to me that, um, well, they weren't joking. I was joking back that you know, like, wow, we see your trucks everywhere. We had two trucks, um, but we were <laughs> everywhere. We were on the move. Um, and so, uh, yeah, been in this industry now um, for 26 years and took a kind of change. Um, you know, like most people in this industry, plugging along, things are great. You're focused on dollars, revenue, yield management, how much... Uh, how many more listings can we get? Go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden, one day you get that phone call that a guest has been injured in one of your properties. Um, it's a showstopper. It stopped me. And it made me go, wait a minute. How was I supposed to know about this? Nobody uh, nobody ever talked about this when I got started. And there's no laws. There's no regs. There's nothing that told me I'm supposed to pay attention to this type of stuff um, other than good common sense. And so... Um, I, I turned and put a focus on that um, in 2013. And so, yeah, 10 years in now, um, I'm pretty proud about the fact that we're getting this message out there. I think I've found a unique way to share the message. And I hope that comes through, you know, during our, our time together here today um, to try and get people to be more aware of the safety of their guests to prevent incidents in their properties. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to rewind this just a little bit because I'm fascinated in the, uh, in the early stages of your career. Cause I'll be honest, a lot of folks come through uh, or listen to my show, et cetera. And they want to know about managing a vacation house or whatever it may be an Airbnb, this, that. And, and I think a lot of them don't even realize that really what they're talking about is sort of becoming, you know, like a property manager or maybe even at some point bringing on other people's properties. So it sounds like that's kind of, you know, exactly what you did. Walk me through that process. Uh, I would assume it starts with the fact that where you were in a vacation town, yes? Yeah, I was located in a vacation market. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people don't realize that vacation rentals have been around forever. I mean, George Washington stayed in one when he was moving down the coast of Delaware to go down and fight the British. He was paying somebody money to stay in their house that was furnished and uh, take it over for a little while. So these these aren't new. Um, and it used to be, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, Maine, especially where I live, um, because it's cooler in, in that part of New England than it is in New York or Boston in the summers. Going back into the 1800s, I mean, the Vanderbilts would rent a house up on the coast of Maine for, for a month and come up and cool off by steamboat or steamship. So um, that tradition had moved forward in Maine. And um, that was it. You know, you went into the back of the New York Times, you picked out a rental. And you sent a check and said, these are the weeks I'd like. And the person will mail you back 
an agreement and cash your check. And there you go. So when I got started doing that, um, you know, that's what I was doing. I was just quickly advertising my own home because I was in a market where you could do it. And I think I got into it the way people are still getting into it today. And that's when the neighbor came and knocked on the door and said, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to be around next summer. And uh, you seem to be doing pretty well renting out your house. Um, You think you could help us with ours? And boom, (laughs) one, two, three, four, five, six hundred. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, Verbo was around. Yeah. I mean, Verbo started in like 99, 98, 99. It must have been in its infancy. Were you using it or when did that come into play for you? Yeah, we didn't um, use it was around. It was Vacation Rentals by owner. And I think they had it all spelled out. I don't think they'd abbreviated it to Verbo at that point. And of course, Home Away. Um, a big one at the time that was coming out was Flip Key, which eventually sold to TripAdvisor. Um, didn't have to use a lot of those. Um, one of the challenges I get into fights with people about is a lot of people who are so resilient on, I need to use Airbnb or I need to use Verbo to get bookings. And they rely on 95% of their bookings that way. It's the opposite, um, for most management companies, especially in new England, where, um, 80, 90% of their guests are repeat clientele. And you don't put your properties on Airbnb or VRBO because why give them a commission when you're getting the bookings anyway? Um, Just because the same family, same people, they come to vacation every summer. Very strong repeat runner market up here. Okay, cool. I do think things have changed personally a little bit. And and, and I think a lot of, quite frankly, a lot of those old school management companies are kind of getting left behind because of that. Mentality, but I, I don't know. I, I think maybe a lot of it has more to do with just the day-to-day operations and being stuck in the past than the way they're yeah. marketing their property. I, I don't know. It's it's a it's another conversation uh, for another day. But um, so you built the you built the prop the the property management company up to four five six hundred doors. How many? Yeah, yeah. At one point, we had about six hundred properties. Mm. And then so uh, at that point, you sold the company, or you just sold your your share. Yeah, I sold out my share of the company um, as my focus turned to safety. I've always told people, uh, and I said this on day one, I actually had it in writing. Um, I can't imagine doing this business for, for more than 10 years. Those those uh, 2 a.m. phone calls that there's a drip or the smoke alarms beeping and those, those uh, six o'clock phone calls on Saturday night that we can't figure out how to use the lockbox. I knew that would wear out real quick. And sure enough, um, I did 11 years of, of that, and uh, that was it for me. And I you were the manager. I was the manager. I did everything. Yeah. I, I cha- swapped out hot water heaters on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> run down to Lowe's, grab another one. Um, I held trash bags under leaking sewage pipes and basements. And, you know, my favorite one, best one of all, um, had a phone call once that uh, the renter said a bird had flown through the window and four of them were being rushed to the hospital. And sure enough, a turkey had flown through the sun porch window and shattered glass everywhere and uh, and injured a bunch of the guests. So, uh, yeah, I saw it all. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's no wonder you were busy. I, I can't imagine a property manager that's going to swap my water heater for me. That's uh, yeah. that's way over the top, above and beyond. Uh, bravo. Bravo. Yeah. So there were other partners involved, and eventually you just kind of stepped back and said, pay pay me off? Or did you yeah. sell it to somebody else and they absorbed the company? Yeah, and I sold it to a partner um, who had co-founded the company with me and sold my half out and uh, was happy to do so, happy to move on into that next stage. Um, complacency is devastating. That's kind of the the living that I have. And I started to become complacent. I had uh, I, I wasn't the friendliest guy on that 11th year when you called me and told me you couldn't figure out how to work the lockbox. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Property management is uh, is definitely not easy for sure, which is, uh, you know, it's part of the struggle. But uh, hey, that's why we have my podcast. If you want to learn how to get better at it, come listen to to short term rental management, and uh, and we'll help you with all that stuff. Okay, cool. So uh, at that point, uh, how do you, how did you get deeper into the whole safety aspect of things? Were you a fireman at one point, or how does that come into play? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. You know, I served in the U.S. Coast Guard, and so I had a background in doing safety inspections on fishing vessels and um, understood that you've got to have a core safety. You never know when your ship's going to sink. Your life jackets, your flares, your your um, your life rafts, they've all got to be in good order, and you got to have some, some spare water kicking around to throw in the lifeboat with you. So 
that was a basis of what I had. And then, um, you know, when I became a, a property manager and started doing vacation rentals, I did something stupid one day with a brush fire and the chief turned to me and uh, the local fire chief and said, hey, um, we're running out of people over here. You look like a, a somewhat smart guy, even though this was a stupid thing. How about joining the fire department? So I joined my local fire department for 15 years and worked my way up to the training officer. So um, I had that that idea and people who built a lot of uh, I don't like to say you can't instill common sense, but I like to say they opened up my common sense. Um, you know, that fire chief for that time in the Coast Guard definitely opened my eyes up that uh, there's an, an approach to and a way to do things. And um, a lot of people weren't doing that. No, man. So I can't even imagine uh, the, the amount of stories you have from the firefighting days. Are you still doing that? I'm not. Um, I have a, a complete focus on what I'm doing now with the safety program. But yeah, I, I went to a fire once at one of my own rental properties. That was really interesting. You know, you hear the the tone, your your hip vibrates because they get these big vibrator um, pagers. And I'm like, I know that address and uh, went over there and the, the guest had not connected the um, grill tank connection when they swapped out the tanks, they'd run out of a tank. Um, they hadn't reconnected it properly. And so when they lit it, eventually the gas leaked up to the um, burner and then spread down and blew out half of the grill. So, uh, in, in fact, it was kind of embarrassing. You know, the other guys in the fire department were giving me a hard time going, what did you set these guys up with here? Um, but, yeah, that was definitely interesting. All right. Well, give me uh, I, <laughs> I've had that happen. Uh, not yeah. exactly like that, but I've definitely had the grill issue. Um, and it was not fun. Uh, but but give me give me, you know, I guess a, just a general overview of, uh, of what we need to do to be safety conscious in, in this business. Yeah, you know, here's here's the big challenge we have. Um, we're in the travel industry. Everyone likes to think, you know, from a short term rental investment point of view, we're investing in real estate and it's a real estate business. Um, some people like to refer to it as a tech business. But the reality is this is a hospitality business. And if you focus on every sector of hospitality that people, at least in North America, like to engage in when it comes to travel, it's either they stay in resorts or hotels, they travel on cruise ships, or they rent vacation rental properties. Um, so what do they do when they go on cruises? Most of them drink. They drink a lot of alcohol. What do people do at resorts? They look for the all-inclusive package. They drink. And we've set up commercial standards in both of those environments for people to be somewhat safe. You don't generally hear um, about issues with alcohol. A couple of people fall overboard on a cruise ship once in a while. And, uh, you know, every now and then someone dies in a, in a hotel um, related to a fire or something. But now you, you take a look and add these, you know, two million, three million vacation rentals into the factor. We're letting all these people go vacation unsupervised. And all the surveys show that they're drinking alcohol while they're doing it. In fact, there was a survey that just came out last year that said 75% of North Americans acknowledge that at some point in time, they will reach a level of intoxication on vacation. And then half of those people said they don't usually drink at home. So even worse, we've got people who aren't experienced drunks coming to stay in properties they're not familiar with. And, you know, yeah, you could have a camera on your front porch, but we're not watching them and we're not going, holy smokes, look what they're doing with the grill. Look what they're doing with the hot tub. No one's watching that kid by the pool. Um, and so that's probably the biggest awareness message I'm trying to get across right now is to recognize the general public isn't just the general public, people you've never met, people you'll never see again that are coming to stay in these rental properties. These are people who in most cases, aren't in good decision-making powers when they come stay in them. No, I, I agree 100%. They're out of their element. They're lost. Uh, their boss is not there to tell them how to get up and do their day-to-day -day life like they normally well, have, and they, nobody's holding them accountable, and they're drunk when they otherwise may or may not have been drunk. And it's just an absolute uh, recipe uh, for disaster. So that's actually a question I was going to ask you. Is there... Uh, I guess we just answered that, that question, but uh, is there a difference between vacation rental safety and say storage unit safety or multifamily apartment safety, et cetera? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, long-term 
property <laughs> management safety, you're you're setting up a property that's empty. It's a an empty dwelling. Let's say you're renting out an apartment on an annual basis and you're getting a $1,200 a month check, hopefully more. Um, you go in, you make sure it's painted, you make sure the sink doesn't you know leak, you make sure that um, there's a light over the stairs that leads into it, you put a couple smoke alarms, a seal alarm in it, and that's it, you're out of there, you've made it safe. Now the renter is going to put all their contents in there, and it's up to them. When we're dealing with short-term rentals or vacation rentals, it's all these contents that we're putting in the property that are causing the issues. Um, you're down in Florida, number one cause for pediatric, pediatric injury for a child under the age of 10 in the state of Florida right now are furniture tip-overs. And we see so many times in vacation rentals where people are just quickly throwing, it's an investment property. I'm throwing a dresser in each room. I'm going to put a TV on top of that dresser, but they don't take into account that the kids who are coming to stay here are going to climb up that dresser to get to the TV to plug in their Xbox they brought with them on vacation, and it's going to tip over and fall on them. So that's something you don't, for example, take account of in a long-term rental. Right. They're bringing their own dresser. In other words. Yeah. 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 Makes, makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Well, what other, what other things do I need? Okay. So how do I screw the, do I screw the dresser to the wall? That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. What we... yeah, you know, a lot of the furniture companies um, are really on top of this. Ikea, Wayfair, they had big, massive lawsuits last year. And as part of that settlement, they really have to go above and beyond now. And if you bought, you know, so many short-term um, rental hosts and investors, you know, that's what they do. They go online, buy the furniture, ship it to the property, either have a handyman or a local guy assemble it, or they show up, get it all set up. And they come with these red lanyards that are in the boxes and they're tied to this bag. That bag has the hardware you're supposed to secure it to the wall with. Um, I bought something on Wayfair recently, and I want to say two hours after delivery, I got a text message saying, again, anchor this stuff to the wall. And it's because of those lawsuits that they've had over all the uh, the injuries with kids. And, and if you don't have the bag and you threw it away by accident when you threw the packaging out, then yeah, you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, it's nine bucks in the safety aisle, which is the aisle where all the padlocks and door locks are. And what is this? How does this uh, device work? Um, so in some cases, there it's almost like a wire tie. Um, you're screwing um, a plate into the wall, and you got to use the right wall anchors. If it didn't come with it, you get the right wall anchors. You're screwing that plastic plate in, and then you're essentially wire tying the um, the dresser to the wall so that uh, you know it's not going to tip forward, or it, at least hopefully it's going to prevent it from tipping forward. They they do some more. Um, if you want to do something stronger, which I certainly recommend, depending on the situation, they have straps um, and they have a package. I think I bought one the other day. It's like 12 bucks. Um, Safety First is the name of the company that sells it. And it's heavy duty straps and it's to secure down a TV. What this is, my, I didn't believe this. I had to Google this and probably some of your listeners will too. But this is a true fact. A 50 pound TV tipping forward and falling falls with the force of 27,000 pounds. I mean, that's a lot of force. And it's because that that 50 pounds starts getting some speed and movement behind it. And then it falls. Um, and that's why so many people are seriously injured. It's not a 50 pound TV falling on a 100 pound kid. And you go, boy, you know, that's a boo boo. No, this is 27,000 pounds of force nailing them in the face. Um, so it's pretty serious. Mm. Mm, okay. Uh, you're making it sound like a zip tie. Is it like a zip tie situation? Yeah, with yeah the... zip tie. Okay. Essentially, it's like a zip tie. Yeah. All right. Uh, padlock section at the hardware store. Okay, great to know. And uh, what what about uh the the well? Tell me about more items in the house. Obviously, the stove and the anti tip. Yeah, so the number one of the the cool things that I've been able to do over the past ten year ten uh, years of doing this is form some deep partnerships with the insurance industry. So you go into the insurance companies and you go, all right, what are you guys paying the most out on? Well, it's it's the same as it is on the commercial side of hospitality, hotels, cruise ships. It slips, trips, and falls. People are tripping like crazy. And for our industry, we're lucky a lot of times because people say, well, I was clumsy. I was an idiot. They deal with their own medical claim. You don't hear anything about it. But increasingly, we're seeing more and more claims. And it comes from the most ridiculous stuff. This may sound like a strong statement. And I know it's really hard for a lot of people to absorb. But I don't like rugs in rentals. I don't like them anywhere. I like hardwood, wide open hardwood floors. There's too many um slip strips and falls from carpets and a lot of them are 
poorly placed. You could do it. Let's let's take a living room, for example. If that living room is part of a passageway that you've got to walk in the front door of the rental and to get to the kitchen, you've got to walk through that living room and you've got an area rug there that they have to step up over and walk. That's a hazard because people aren't thinking about it. It's a passage. But if you have that same living room off to the side and the only way into that living room is you have to step into it and you're consciously doing that, I'm a little bit more okay with the rug because again, the person's going to be thinking I'm entering this space um, and they're going to, you know, hopefully be more aware of the rug. So yeah, that, those are big ones. Hmm. What about the, uh, the rug tape that you see everywhere? Is that effective? Not really. It doesn't hold up well. Um, I say a lot of times it's the entry. You know, when we look at the insurance statistics, 60% of all these injuries, these slips, trips, and falls happen within the first hour of arrival. Um, what that tells us is people are just getting there. They're not familiar. So it's either lighting. Lighting is poor. Getting from your car in. Or once you get in, it's that that doormat that's there, that first entry point. And I've seen where people tape them down and they get wet, humidity builds up, air conditioning, heat, whatever it may be. Um, and, and eventually it wears out. You've got to be on it every time. And so really the big way to, to address those is go big, you know, have a big mat. So it's not sliding around. I call them magic carpets. Those little two by three rugs. <laughs> There's no business for a two by three foot rug entry mat anywhere in a rental property anywhere ever okay interesting all right uh what else do i need to know to keep my my house safe uh, i i'm writing down some ideas but i think uh you know you've you've been through this before so just keep going for me yeah absolutely well the single most important item in your home is also the single most important item in a rental and that's a smoke alarm and so many people don't understand smoke alarms um you know last week i was at a conference in houston and i bumped into somebody else who was who was at that same conference in the, in the elevator. I knew them from before. And uh, they said, hey, how you doing? I said, good. And they said, you know, we're going down to the bar. I said, yeah, that's fine. But I'm, I got to go to the hotel front desk. My smoke alarm's hanging off the wall. It doesn't work in my hotel room. I got to go address that. And she said, oh, that's, yeah, we've we got a problem in our room too. The room safe doesn't work. I said, oh, well, did you check? Is your smoke alarm hanging off the wall? She goes, yeah, I don't know. I didn't look at it. And to me, that's like a big signal of the problem with the American society. We don't, we're more concerned about someone stealing our wallet than we are of dying. I mean, the smoke alarm is the one thing that's going to wake you up if there's a problem so that you can escape. And yet we don't do anything about that. And there's so many good products that are out there. And so you've got to understand that smoke alarms are priced just like cars. You're going to get a Mercedes and spend a little bit of money. But what do you have? You got something that's going to you're going to survive in most likely in a car crash or, a, you know, a Volvo. You know, there's there's good things that are out there. There's Jeeps. I like a Jeep. A Jeep is fun. Um, it's kind of mid price range. And you, I always like to refer to those Google Nest smoke alarms that people like to get in their short term rentals. I call those a Jeep. They're kind of mid-price range. Some of them might even call them a little expensive. They connect into Wi-Fi. They'll tell you the power's out, you know, when a guest has burned bacon. But they're garbage. You're dead if there's an accident with one of those things because they only detect through photoelectric means. They don't detect smoke. They only detect fire. So, I mean, there's a lot of different um, issues with those when it comes to, you know, you got to look at consumer reports and go, wait a minute, the Google Nest only scored 51, but this other smoke alarm scored 93. Why am I not setting my guests up with that? Well, what smoke alarms do you recommend? And I, I'm almost afraid to tell you which ones I use, but uh, go ahead. So I'm a huge fan of First Alert. Okay, that's um, what I use. Okay, great. There you go. First <laughs> Alert's a great company, you know, and this is this is an important statistic. It's not just going, hey, Justin Ford uses First Alert. He's, okay, this guy knows something about safety. No, First Alert hasn't had a recall since 2006. And if you look at any other smoke alarm manufacturer out there, Kitty, big company, I used to like Kitty. Kitty's got recalls all the time. I want a product that hasn't had a recall since 2006. It's a good product. Um, and we see that they've had a lot of saves from them. Um, and, and that's, I think, important. So, yeah. And it's not just any first alert. You've got to have the dual sensor smoke alarms. Dual means it detects fire through both ionization and photoelectric. Photoelectric is really good at detecting uh, smoke. Ionization is good at detecting flames. And if 
you don't have both of those sensors, which is what the U.S. Fire Administration has recommended in your smoke alarms. Um, the potential is there. And I've been there as a firefighter. I've been in places before where you can't see your hand in front of you. It's so smoky. But it's because they didn't have the right smoke detector in the property and it didn't go off. People died. So it's it's so important. Are you, are you saying that at some some in some cases the flame will happen before the smoke or vice versa? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you think kitchen fire, kitchen fires typically are going right to flame. Um, I think of a, a Christmas tree fire that I heard about over the weekend at a vacation rental went right to flame. Um, and that's not going to set off um, a ionization smoke alarm the same as it is a photoelectric alarm. Is a real Christmas tree or a fake Christmas tree more flammable? Oh, definitely a real one, especially mm. if you don't put water. I mean, real Christmas trees don't belong in a vacation rental. I see people decorate their houses for their guests and uh, they haven't, you know, they don't have a good watering system or they set it up once with that little, you know, as seen on TV thing where you screw the old Pepsi jug in upside down and fill it with water and leave a note for the runners. Runners, <laughs> they're drinking. They're not going to refill your Christmas tree with water. And now you got a torch in there. Mm. See, it's not something I would ever, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Sell with the short-term shop. Are you looking to sell your short-term rental or even 1031 into a different property? Our team of realtors will work hard to get you the most for your investment. We are experts in our field and would love to earn your business. When it's time to sell, call the shop. Theshorttermshop.com that's the shorttermshop.com brokered by exp um all right what else do i need to know about smoke alarms so smoke alarms need to be interconnected you know um we've had a lot of deadly fires in vacation rentals this year um one of the most notable ones happened um in uh quebec, excuse me quebec province up in uh Montreal. I actually just visited there last month and seven Americans died in these Airbnb units. And it's because they weren't interconnected smoke alarms. They weren't working. Um, another fire that happened at a vacation rental that killed three people this summer in the Outer Banks. Again, smoke alarms weren't interconnected. They've got to be able to talk to each other because you add in the fact that kids two to 12 don't wake up to smoke alarms. That's a known fact. You add in the fact that 60% of people who are intoxicated don't wake up to smoke alarms. Elderly people who stay in your rentals, 30% of your guests are over the age of 60. They don't wake up to smoke alarms because as they age, they don't hear well. Um, so it's very important that they're interconnected either wirelessly or wired. Um, Hardwired is the best, but if you haven't set that up, um, it's really easy. I use the ring system. I have an older home. My house isn't hardwired, but you can buy uh, you know, a ring product that allows you to enhance and interconnect all your alarms wirelessly. It listens for one going off. And it sends alarms out through these dome sirens to wake people up. Oh, and in, in other words, <clears throat> all right. So uh, again, you're the expert here, but if, if they're interconnected, that means there's wires inside the sheetrock and they're all like literally wired together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And if you don't have that uh, ring, uh, are there any other brands, by the way, ring, any other? Um, I Ring is the best one that I've seen popular. out there. Yeah. I, I haven't really explored to see, um, but it's not what you're not talking about a Wi-Fi situation. You're talking about the fact that the one smoke detector will pick up the fact that the other one is going off exactly, and then, and then it'll go off. That's cool. Yeah. Ring has this thing. It's called a smoke alarm, CO alarm listener. It's like a hockey puck. It's 30 bucks. You put a battery in it, you stick it on the ceiling next to each smoke alarm. And then they have another product called the wait minute, Dome. Wait a minute. I don't even have to change brands on my smoke no, alarm? No. And this is why I like this, because this lets you keep using the first alert smoke alarms, which I like. Now, smoke first alert, not to get too confusing here, but first alert does make wireless smoke alarms. The problem is they're not the dual sensor type. So in order to keep that dual sensor alarm, which is the best one, I you, you've got to use a different product, which I, I use in my house, which is the ring. And then it sends a signal. If the alarm goes off to the dome siren, now a smoke alarm puts out 85 decibels. That's You're supposed to hear that within 10 feet of each smoke alarm. Problem is a lot of people still don't hear that. But if they use this dome siren that ring has, it does 95 decibels and it has a flashing red light. Get your guests up. They're not familiar with where they are. 
and get them out as quickly as possible. That's your your only way that you're going to get through that successfully. So if I'm not interconnected, I get this ring device. I put it next to the to all of them, I guess. Yes, all of them. Absolutely. And uh, how does it? That's fascinating. I'm going to look into that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I, off the top of my head, I think all my houses are interconnected. Now, what I do have a tiny, a little teeny tiny house. It's only five hundred, five six hundred square feet. Um, is it okay to just have the one smoke alarm and 550 square feet, no bedrooms? Yeah. If you got no bedrooms, yeah, absolutely. You're fine with that. And then that, that focus on the egress, but you add in one other factor here and that is your garage. Do you have a garage in any of your rentals? Mm, No. Interesting enough. No, but tell me what if I did. Well, so about a million vacation rentals in the U S have an attached garage and they let their renters park their car in there. And that's mind blowing to me. Hmm. Um, we, we saw several fires this summer. A lot of the rental car companies are using Ford expeditions, uh, Ford explorers. They've had recalls for fires. We actually saw fires because the renters are bringing a rental car that they picked up at the uh, airport and they're parking it in the rental car garage. And I always ask people, I'm like, so you're letting somebody park a car you know nothing about that leaks gas or they how do they drive it or anything about it? You're letting them bring it into your home that you're renting out. And they're like, yeah, why not? And I'm like, all right, well, then you're going to do it. But how do you know if it catches on fire? And, and that's when people's face go blank. You need to have a heat detector in your garage. You need to have that connected into the rest of the house. We saw an incident um, last month in South Carolina where these these kids, uh, I say kids, I'm 51, so I guess they're in their 20s, but they had, you know, those Lime scooters, every city has these scooters. They brought the scooters back to their rental property, but they didn't want to put them back out on the street because they wanted to use them the next day. And they knew that if they were out there, someone else would take them. And the day before, they had had to walk a mile to find one. So what they do, they brought them into the garage at the vacation rental. And one of them caught on fire and it burned the rental down. Um, All of the renters survived, but um, minimum 70% burns on their body. And it's bringing these lithium batteries, electric cars. You're bringing all these things into a house. You've got to make sure that the garage I look at is one of the the most dangerous points of fire after the kitchen and you don't have detection in there. So yeah, heat detector, it's 30 bucks. First alert makes them, kitty makes them, and they can connect into the rest of your system. And they work on the sense that if your temperature rises uh, more than 10 degrees in a few seconds, or if the temperature exceeds 135 degrees, it will kick the alarm off and wake people up to get out. Let's say I got interconnected in the house and yep. I got nothing in the garage. What do I put in the garage that's going to talk to the house? You can do you can expand it with that ring system as well. You put the listener in the garage. <clears throat> you can um there's other products too, noise aware, minute make listeners, and you can put those hockey puck type things in there, and they'll also detect that type of alarm going off. And it'll set off the alarms in the house from the garage? It will with the ring, minute or um Noise aware, which are common products in our industry, people use to listen if there's parties going on on their properties. Those will detect a smoke alarm, but they're only going to send a notification to the manager. So then it would take the manager calling the house and saying, hey, you know, the the, the minute device is detecting a heat detector going off in the garage. Um, so you got to hope that the runners are going to hear their cell phone ringing and wake up and, and all that stuff. So I don't like that process as much as I do having it directly integrated through something like Ring. Off the top of your head, do you know the name of that uh, Ring Hockey Puck product? It's the Smoke Alarm CO Alarm Listener. 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 Yeah. I'm going to order like 100 of those. Yeah, they're, they're 30 bucks. They're easy. Okay, great. Listener. I like that. I like that. Okay. Uh, what about fire extinguishers? Yeah, you know, have you seen these ads that are going around TikTok and and uh, Instagram, Facebook for the prepared hero? The guy walks in and throws a little blanket on the kitchen stove and it puts a fire out. No, I uh, again, you mentioned being a little older. Uh, I'm getting there myself. And no, I don't know anything about the TikTok. <laughs> well, I'm sure some of your listeners do. Yes. because I, Every day I'm getting messages from people going, I'm thinking about putting these in my rental property. It's a little can of. I call it hairspray or bug spray, or it's a blanket. Let me tell you something. Let's get this straight. Unless your guests are from the UK, they're not using a fire blanket. Americans have not been educated on using fire blankets. I've never even heard of one. Yeah, exactly. A fire blanket is set up 
to be used in an ideal scenario that you're right there at the kitchen stove and, oh my gosh, my stove is on fire. And you're going to calmly unwrap this blanket and set it down there. Now, fire extinguishers are the only product that needs to go in rentals. And here's the other thing. Get it out of your head that they're ugly. Get it out of your head that it makes your rental property look commercial. Think about it this way. A fire extinguisher is a tool you give your renters to save your investment property. I saw a fire that happened in Sanford, Florida last year. This woman, she went on Airbnb and she posted a picture of her kitchen. Her kitchen was annihilated. It had been completely burned out. And she wanted to chastise her guests. She said, my guests caught the kitchen on fire in my rental. And the fire extinguisher was right there in the pantry cabinet. And they didn't use it. They just ran out of my house. And everybody said, oh, those Airbnb runners are horrible people. I can't believe they would have done it. You should sue them. Finally, I got in there and went, so you're telling me that you expected your renters when the kitchen stove caught on fire to walk past the fire and go into a pantry and get a fire extinguisher out? No. And then you're also expecting them to know where it is and or open every single cabinet door. Exactly. Or put it, it's under the sink and it's buried. No, if there's a fire, they're going to panic. It's not their home. They already don't care about it. You've got to put that fire extinguisher out in the open. It's got to be obvious and you've got to have it by an exit point. Code says in all vacation rentals, they have to be within 30 feet of the cooking appliance. Put it by the closest entry point. So when they walk into the kitchen, they go, oh my gosh, the kitchen's on fire. This is horrible. And they're going to exit, but as they walk out, they see this fire extinguisher and they can stand in the doorway, give them a good five pounder, one that shoots 20 feet, and at least they're going to make a chance at it because they're not going to go hunting around in your house in a moment of panic to find that little teeny ugly white one that you don't want to you know, showcase because it looks ugly in your property. They're not hunting for that. And that thing only shoots about nine feet and it's out of fire extinguisher material in 10 minutes or 10 seconds. So you want the big five pounder. You want big that one. one. Yeah, big one. Big red one. Mm-hmm. Big ugly red one. Get it out there. Get it in front of them. And I had a save um, two weeks ago in Chincoteague, Virginia. I was on a podcast just like this talking. Somebody listened to me. They did this. And they sent me a message that uh, they put them in. They realized they didn't have them. They put one in on every floor. And uh, the renters woke up in the middle of the night to the smoke alarms going off. They switched out. They put the first alert ones in. I told them to. And they woke up, remembered the fire extinguishers there, put out the fire. The air handler unit in the master bedroom um, knee wall had caught on fire in the middle of the night. And the fire department said that if they hadn't put that out within seconds, as they did with that fire extinguisher, um, that would have destroyed that $1.8 million home. And sure, they were probably insured and probably they would have got out maybe. But the reality is we live in a time where getting a contractor to come rebuild all that and getting same mm. built, same price, it's all a hassle. So for 30 bucks, they had to save just because they use common sense. Major, major hassle and just a nightmare. Um, yeah. uh, how, how long does uh, one of these fire extinguishers last and do I just replace it? Do I recharge it? Yeah, there's two different ways to go about it. Um, They have replaceable or rechargeable. The good five pounders are rechargeable. um, And that's something you want to do about every seven years. Um, I work for a software company that helps track that, you know, Breezeway. um, We do inventory and task management. So it's a task you should set up that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying, sorry, uh, I'm going to bring that back up. But you're saying that one of these five pound red fire extinguishers lasts for seven years. Yeah, they need to, before they need to be recharged. Hmm. Yep. No the replaceable, one, replaceable ones can go a little longer. They can go to 10, 11 years. No kidding. I just assumed yeah. that it needed to be like checked every year or something like well, that. Well, they do need to be checked every year. What does you that want mean? That means looking at the gauge and making sure that it still is in the green zone. There's an arrow there. <laughs> I was, I'm picking on your state. I was in Florida a little while ago. Company <laughs> knew company knew I was coming in to do an audit and they were so proud they had installed all the fire extinguishers by their gas grills outside about a month before. And so I walked in and they said, we know you're going to check the fire extinguishers. We heard you before. And I went, yeah, no, it's great. I'm glad you installed them, but can you put ones in that are filled? And they're like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, the first two houses we went to, they were in the red zone and it's because renters used them. And then they're like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. We couldn't figure out what that white residue was all over the grill. After the last guest checked out, I'm like, yeah, they had a fire. They put it out. They didn't tell you. 
So you got to make sure you're constantly checking to make sure that they're in that green zone and that the pin is in there, that it looks like it, you know, the hose is connected well, everything's in good shape. Dare I say that the renter assumed they were supposed to spray this grill every time because this fire extinguisher was right again, because renters are, you know, I would yeah. maybe I would maybe think that, oh, oh there's a fire extinguisher. Maybe I'm supposed to shoot it so, you know, I don't have to wor- go, I can go to sleep, not have to worry about it. Very interesting. I'm going to the five pounders. I never thought of that. I always, I'll be honest. I always thought that I had a better chance they would use it if it was a little one because the big ones are, are kind of heavy and intimidating. Yeah. And, you know, generally speaking, it's not too, I mean, that's why it's designed as a five, but the, you know, all these government people who sit in labs and, and work on this stuff all the time, they've determined that the average human being, which in America weighs 176 pounds, should be able to pick up a five-pound fire extinguisher, um, and you want some power behind it so you're not getting close to it. So in commercial settings, um, that's what they've determined is the best way to go, and it's going to shoot. I did testing once. I got some video that people can see. Um, those little, the little ones, they're like bug spray. You know, the aerosol ones that you maybe you put in your car because you know, I don't know, grandma drops a cigarette between the seat, maybe it'll do something, but you want some power and you want some distance. Um, cause you don't want to get close to it. It's going to be hot. I just like the fact that your grandma still smokes, even though you're uh, the safety guy. <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, okay. So, uh, where, um, where can I get these fire extinguishers? Is, is there, well, I've got so many questions. Let's yeah. start with that one. Where can I get them anywhere? So, this, this I'm trying not to be confusing again. Don't buy, going back real quick to smoke alarms, don't buy smoke alarms at the box stores. I've never seen the, the good dual detection ones there. I only see those typically at like True Value, um, Ace, Ace um, and on Amazon. But at the box stores, you can get the uh, anchor hardware we talked about. The other thing that the box stores are good for is the, the fire extinguishers. Home Depot, Lowe's, they all have those five-pound fire extinguishers in the safety aisle. Any t- type, particular brand, just whatever they have. Yeah, whatever they have. As long as it's okay. a five-pounder ABC, ABC. And I'm screwing this thing right to the wall. You got to. So here's the thing. And I know, again, people are going to hate hearing this. Every vacation rental in the United States, Guam, Canada, the American Samoas, I don't care. If it's tied to the, if you're touching the United States, um, is required, it's considered transient housing. It is required to have a fire extinguisher mounted, unobstructed, and accessible within 30 feet of all cooking appliances that includes grills and lawsuits have been lost over that big fire that killed four people at a vacation roll in Idaho four years ago is a, an open shut court case. The rental did not have fire extinguishers in it. It didn't, t- it took someone like me, an expert in safety to come up and go, you know what, if there'd been a fire extinguisher there, they could have put out that fire and people wouldn't have died. Open shut. It is case law. You've got to have your fire extinguishers and mounted Absolutely. They can't just be loose in the box underneath the sink. That's ridiculous. Uh, any idea what percentage of fires are started in the kitchen? Um, over 30%. That is yeah. the number one cause of fire in a short-term rental. But here's a here's a surprising one. Um, the kitchen stove obviously is number one. Guess what's number two is? Mm. Refrigerator. Mm, no kidding. Yeah. So when's the last time... Uh, Luke, you pulled your refrigerator out and all your vacation rentals and vacuum behind them. So it's dust is what it is. Well, yeah. So we we use residential. Most of us go to, again, the box stores and we spend two two grand, buy a KitchenAid, a Whirlpool, whatever. Nice fridge. Got a water dispenser, ice dispenser. We put them in the rentals. But we don't take into account the fact that those are designed to run with a small compressor because you got mayonnaise, ketchup. You're at home. You got food in it. And in these rental properties, they're left empty all the time. And they're just sitting there running, sucking dust through, and that dust builds up on the coils. And so we see a lot of refrigerator fires because people aren't pulling them out and cleaning them out to make sure that, um, that that hasn't built up. Very interesting. What if I have multiple floors in the home? Should I put a five-pounder on each floor? Absolutely. Yep. That can be the way that they're going to get out. Um, it's it's uh, right there at the top of the land. I'm landing. doing this today. I have gotten to the point now. This is before I even talk to you, where if I'm flipping through photos of a rental, which happens fairly often, I, I like to rent rent houses. 
uh, or even in my own listings. I like, I, cause I used to be like what you're talking about. Oh, that fire extinguisher is ugly. It's, it's tacky. It's, you know, kind of, and I'm now I'm, I'm the opposite. Uh, I have, having gone through some just, I mean, there's no such thing as a good fire. Believe me. Uh, I've been no. through, been through a few and it is absolutely, it will stop your life right in its tracks. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. And I'm not going to get any de- any details about what I've been through, but um, I do, man. I, I light up. I'm like, oh, there's a fire extinguisher. I need to know exactly where those are, and um, and, and I want them to be in the most obvious place ever. But I used to be exactly like what you're talking about. All oh, that that thing is so ugly. It looks like somebody, uh, does, you know, they they're decorator stinks or something like that. You know, but um, it's 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 so important. It really is. You know, look, one of the worst skills I've developed over the past 10 years doing this, the safety stuff, is I can now tell. I can look at somebody, I can see it in their eyes that they've they've had a death in their rental property, whether it was a pool drowning, a fire, carbon monoxide incident. I can I know a host. I, I just look at the host. I can see it. It uh, it changes you forever. And uh, the guilt that you have when you could have fixed it or prepared your guests for it, it's hard. Yeah, the the death thing aside, it is uh is it inevitable that something it's not if it's when. Yeah. So we got to be prepared. We got to be prepared. Um and I think a lot of that's being mentally prepared, but uh if you if you prepare your house the way it should be with everything Justin's talking about, uh then then you know, you you can at least go away from it saying, "Hey, I did everything I could," you know. Exactly. Uh, a lot of people like to approach this, "Well, I'm insured." Now, the the number one lawsuit we're seeing right now are property hosts and owners that are suing their insurance company because they're not covering them. And the insurance companies don't want to cover it if it's not to code. Wait a minute. You didn't have a fire extinguisher in there? Yeah, we're not covering that claim. So peace of mind. I'm not, I've never been an advocate of making these, you know, renters dress in sumo wrestler bubble suits and bounce around and they can't get hurt. And I've never thought that we can make these rental properties absolutely safe. But if you can make a commitment to this, um, you can minimize it. It's certainly, uh, it's, it's much better than no action at all. And I'm the same way in the house. So, you know, it's a lot of it has to do with since I had kids too. I, I'm, I literally, as before I even booked you to come on here or anything, I'm poking around my house. Where the hell are my fire extinguishers? I need to know where these things are. Uh, because you just never, you just never know. All right. Talk to me about pool safety, swimming pool safety. Yeah. So pools are a tough one. Um, pools, as we know, um, you don't have to go too far from the news. Number one cause of, of childhood death, child death under the age of seven right now is from drowning and pools and vacation rentals are a big contributing factor. State of Florida continues to see over a hundred a year, Arizona, Texas, California. Um, and so we've got to have a much better focus on it. And I, I hear so many people say, well, you know, it's not on me to watch the kids. But really, it is. I had a phone call from an attorney the other day. They want me to, and I don't do expert witness work, just so we're clear. I'm an educator, not a litigator. Um, they wanted me to testify in a case where the renters showed up and while they were unloading the car, the child walked out to the pool, walked through the door and drowned in the pool because the pool arm hadn't been engaged by the host. Um, they had not left it on. Mm. And they're going to find someone who's going to testify that it should have been. I'm not going to testify that it should have been, but it should have been. The alarm should have worked when the guests arrived. And so we've got to, we don't have good pool arms. Any, anybody out there who's an investor who's looking for a good idea, I don't have time for it right now. We need pool alarms in our industry that actually make sense. The pool alarms we have designed are designed for residential use. It's your family, you and your wife. You've talked about it, you and your husband, whatever. You've talked about it with your kids. You've sat down and it's a residential setting. This is the alarm, kids. If it goes off, this is what happens. But in a commercial setting, kids coming down to Florida from Chicago, they've never experienced a pool at home. They don't know what a pool alarm is and their parents are annoyed by them that they have to hold the button every time they have to open the door. So they quickly pull the batteries out. And so we see a lot of pool drownings as a result of the alarms being disabled um, and taken apart or not being there at all. And we also see a lot of um, pool drownings because we haven't provided the education to the kids 
I see all these rentals where they're throwing, uh, you know, the flamingos, the pink flamingos, the water toys, all that. You put those in the pool and you you think that's great for your guests, but then the kids are drowning underneath and the, the parents can't see them. Those same parents who are drinking margaritas, they're on vacation too. Um, drinking wine and margaritas around the pool, they're not watching them. So we have to increase awareness. I believe everyone who has a pool at their vacation rental needs to leave out the cheapest, most inexpensive safety thing you can put on your property, and that is a water watcher card. It's a harness. It's a little bracelet, a card. You can custom make this yourself and laminate it. You can get them for free from the government. Just Google water watcher program, leave it on the counter, and at least educate or create an awareness to the guests that whoever's wearing that has to be watching the pool at all times, and they only give that card up if... If they're going to the bathroom, they give it to somebody else only who hasn't been drinking, who's going to watch and is committed to watching the pool. What do you mean by uh, wear? How do you wear a card? Yeah, so it's just, you know, those little uh, bracelets that are almost like the hair ties that the ladies put in their hair. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It's just like a stretchy band. and Like a keychain kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's connected to the card. And um, some people I've seen have it as a necklace, too. Um, Put it right there front and center on the counter. A good friend of mine in North Carolina has done something really smart that's been effective. He created a uh, YouTube video. It's a two-minute video on pool safety, and he has it automated to send to his guests two hours before check-in. And he says, hey, my name's Caleb. You're coming to stay in one of my properties. Parents, hold this up right now in front of your kids. I know you're anxious to get into the property and you're checking in in two hours, but I want you to watch this short video on pool safety. And they've had tons of positive feedback by that that turned out that was a great timing because you're hitting them just before arrival but they're not absorbed in the property and already there so they're not going to watch it once they get there but if you catch them during that anticipation time a couple hours before arrival you're going to have their attention how do i get this video i don't want my, i don't want to be in the video how do i get somebody how, where do i can i hire caleb to make me a video well you, you can hire caleb you get your wife you go you go on youtube i've even seen where that crazy congressman they just expelled you could pay him to do videos for you but you can find somebody you know online who uh who can record the video for you i Super- like that I'll put that in my guidebook. I do have a video on uh, how the pool alarm works at my house. Yep. Uh, and I have a QR code right next to my pool. Love I like it. my pool alarm system. I, I, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I would assume that there's probably some way they can disable it. But every guest, the second they check in, they all say, how do we stop this alarm? It's so annoying. I'm like, it's doing its job. That's exactly what it needs to do. Yeah. And and I got a QR code right next to it that says here, you know, here's how it sends it to a video um and i'm so proud of it i have it checked by a professional security company every year um and uh and i i love it when my guests get annoyed by that thing because it tells me it's working exactly so the other one there is the pool gates and so the other reason we're seeing kids drown is because the pool gates get left propped open um i was just at a rental down in marathon key in florida where a a two-year-old had drowned and it's because the pool service company, every time they come, they use a rock to prop the gate open, but they leave that rock there. And so the renters show up. They don't want to keep opening and closing the pool gate to walk from the beach to the pool. So they use a rock. So I'm a big advocate of spending a little bit of money, put a sign there on that gate. That's a reminder that says this gate must be closed at all times. If you see the rock or a bungee cord or a rope that they're using to prop it open, get rid of it. Um, let them know that's not okay. Um, really important because that's the other the other common cause for these drownings is pool gate access. Love it. All right, we're gonna cover fire pits, grills, and uh fireplaces on the way out. Let's start with fire pits. I again when I see these folks on the internet and such, like building their gorgeous fire pit and that and the other, and and I, I just roll my eyes. I'm like, you guys have never been through what what's possible. <laughs> and and so tell me your thoughts on uh, fire pits or any kind of fire outside the home. So a lot of people think the fire pit, the dangerous point is if the guests leave the fire going and maybe it'll cause a wildfire or burn the house down. And certainly the potential is there. But actually, um, according to insurance statistics, the reason all these injuries are happening at fire pits and vacation rentals is horseplay. Um, Kids roasting marshmallows, they're falling into the fire pits. You've got to make sure you've got good barriers around them um, and have, I like some signage there that emphasizes that to the parents. So that's the big awareness with fire pits is that um, 
kids and people uh, having fun on vacation, it's falling into them. That's been an issue. I'm out on them. I mean, I get the amenity thing. I want to have as many amenities as possible. I want my home to be more attractive than my neighbors. I don't, me, I'm out. No way in hell do I want some drunk stranger on vacation starting a fire outside their house. But Justin says, it's okay. You just got to be safe. And and, and I get that, that, that aspect don't. too. And then if you don't have them, this is the other dangerous side. Don't let them bring one. We're seeing a lot of people that have those solo stoves. I love them. I have a solo stove. They're portable. They advertise that they don't get hot on the bottom, so you can set them on a deck. That's true. But the problem is, is the embers pop out of them and catch uh, things on fire. We just saw a fire in Texas at a vacation rental where renters weren't, uh, homeowners said, I don't have a fire pit. So the renters brought their own, set it on the deck and caught the deck on fire. So hmm. uh, make sure you've got it in your reg. If you don't want them to have a fire pit, make sure you, they know not to bring one as well. Hmm. I actually have a, a fire-free home policy in my house rules and my rental agreement. And I say, if any sort of flame of any kind is created in, in or around this home's $250 fine. I just do that to try and discourage them. Yeah, yeah. I and I even that. put in there, Candles, no, uh, are in, a, any kind of flame, including a candle. Uh, you don't like candles, it seems. I, I just threw that oh, out no. there. But candles have no business. And in fact, I even have trouble with the LED ones because, again, people know common sense. We've seen fire started because people are trying to light those LED ones. Uh huh. Okay, fireplace, fireplace. I'm out. I'm out on the fireplace. I, I will put an electric insert, yeah. but I am not. That's just me. Um, but what, what can we do for fire fireplace safety? You got to make sure, like you mentioned before, you got a QR code there that tells them how to operate the fireplace. It can't be in a digital guide. It can't be in a, in a book. They've got to have an easy way to see, open the flue, close the flue. Don't leave it unattended. Understand what to do with the ashes after the fire's out. Give them a bucket. Put it in a place where they can't, you know, just set it out on the deck. Here in my home state of Maine, we just had a fire in Ken famous Kennebunkport because the renters took all the ashes out while they were still hot and set them out on the deck. So I'm okay with them as long as you've got really good, clear instructions. I'm not as big a fan of gas fireplaces. They malfunction. Um, they car cause the majority of carbon monoxide-related incidents in our industry. But if you're going to have them, you've got to have them with the timers, the wall timers that after an hour, they automatically shut off. And you've got to make sure there's a carbon monoxide alarm in each room where there's a gas fireplace. Uh, okay, wonderful. What about propane? Is it is the CO detector going to pick up propane? Um, CO detector is not going to pick up propane unless you get the explosive gas detector type, which both First Alert and Kitty make. I like those. If you have propane or natural gas in your rental property, um, spend the few extra bucks. They're about $50, but they detect not only carbon monoxide, but they detect explosive gas as well. Very common in the East Tennessee Smoky Mountains to have those uh, propane fireplaces uh is propane less dangerous than than natural gas no they're both about the same they okay. you know and they they've got an odor sensor that's added to propane that's a little stronger than natural gas but uh, both of them have something hopefully the guests are going to smell it but you you want to make sure you've got all the detectors in place to to catch that if it happens and we do i don't want i'm going to wrap here pretty soon but i do want to talk about grills which is a whole other uh, we could do a whole hour yeah. on grills you know an hour on grills so the grills that everyone keeps buying, whether it's a Weber or a Next something, Next Star, whatever grills, I see them all over the place. They're stainless steel grills, you three, four hundred bucks at, at the box stores. Those come with a 36-page minimum manual of which four pages are safety warnings. One of them is only light the grill with the igniter button. One of them is how to connect the gas grill. And yet we stick these out and let these renters use them mm -hmm. and they have no idea what they're doing. The grill must operate as the manufacturer intended. That means if that igniter button isn't working to light the grill, it has to come out of service immediately. Never, to your policy, leave a flame stick and say, hey, yeah, our igniter doesn't work. If it doesn't work, light it. Now, the, they say don't do that. They come with a special chain and a matchstick holder. You don't want runners doing that. Um, I'm a big advocate now for the Blackstone grills, and I see a lot of professional companies going that way. They're still gas, but at least it's a griddle top on top. So now you're not exposing the renters to open flame erupting in their face. Um, I think that's a much better way to go with the rental properties. And frankly, I think they cook better than the open flame grills. What about charcoal? Never. Lighter fluid at a vacation rental? Give me a break. No way. <laughs> what about these park style grills? Let's say it's 40 feet yeah. from the home and cemented in the ground. 
that, hey, there's a reason that Smokey the Bear and Yellowstone National Park and your local town park have gone with those. Those are idiot proof. They, yeah. You're putting it in a place where. But they are charcoal. They're charcoal. So just to go back, I was referring to the portable charcoal. Grills. Okay, good, good. Because yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I use. I use the, the standalone the, charcoal. Put it in the ground. Can't move this thing. Yep. That's the way to go for me. And yep. and I'll be honest, you know, I think my 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 enemies, for lack of a better way to put it, my neighbors can get a leg up on me on the grill department because I just have those Smokey to Bear style, cemented in the ground, can't burn my house down grills, and they you can go get one of these fancy you know six hundred dollar grills and 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 probably get more guests than me, but I'm yeah. not dealing with it. I am not going to let these drunk oh. people build a fire anywhere around my house, whether it's to cook meat or any other reason, you know. So okay, it's good to hear. From the fire guy that the Smokey the Bear style grill. Anyway, go ahead. You go ahead on the uh, park style. Yeah, no, the, the park style is the way to go. It just I want to emphasize, don't leave lighter fluid for them. The, the assumption is they're going to bring match light. If they are going to use lighter fluid to light it, let them buy their own lighter fluid. And then if they leave it behind, get rid of it right away. And you're right. If it's good enough for the national park, yeah, uh, it's good enough for me. Okay. Exactly. All right. What did we miss? Talk to me about Breezeway. How do I get a hold of you? And uh, and I know you have courses, so uh, w- w- I would like to take one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to send you a link so you can do it for free. Um, because uh, I definitely you're, you're you're speaking my language, and I like that. Um, I'm a so fan. I developed. I'm, listen, I got a lot of rental real estate, and it's it's. Here's another thing. I just had a house that I used to own get hit by a tornado. And I luckily, I, but still, you know what I mean? It's like you get enough real estate, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And um, it, it just, you know, once you've been through a few things, it, your perspective completely changes. Anyway, go ahead. So um, I'm a I'm a big believer in making sure that people understand what they have to do when it comes to anything. So if you think about this, if you're going to go work for Southwest airlines and, and load bags on a plane down in Nashville airport, you got to go through two weeks of safety training before they let you on the tarmac. If you're going to do be a cook in a kitchen, you got to go through food safety up until recently, our industry had nothing to train people on safety. You can't, you can't go work at a Marriott hotel without two days of safety training. So I developed a course that I believe um has answered it we've had over 1400 people just in the past two months go through the safety course every single one of them went oh my god everybody in the industry should take this and it's a 350 dollars course um i'll send you a promo code to give your guests a hundred dollars off if they want to take it um and it takes you two to three hours to do online and then afterwards you're certified you get a nice certification sticker and uh, badge and you can put it on your website you can get an insurance discount if you're committed to doing safety inspections in your property the some of the major insurance companies uh proper for example gives their biggest discount to people who've gone through it so it's a good thing for our industry it's a small commitment in time i'm uh, in yep so we'll i get love you- it uh Breeze- Wait, now wait a minute hold on why are we pigeonholing ourselves to the short terms why can't i take this if i'm a, a mobile yeah, home exactly. guy you can do it as a long-term guy. I've got someone who's doing mid-stay rentals. They're doing it. And frankly, I have a lot of people who go through the course and go, you know, this is great. I'm going to do all this for my renters, but holy smokes, you know, we didn't realize we didn't have any smoke alarms in our bedrooms and we just put them in and we had a fire the other day and da, da, da. So um, frankly, I've heard of a lot of saves from people who've gone through the course. My favorite ones are the ones where people go, we did this stuff in our own home and it made a difference. So mm-hmm. it, it is a home safety course, but the difference is, is that you've got paying guests that trust you when you, I mean, when you go stay at a hotel, you just assume they've done all that stuff and you're paying a tax and you check into the Hilton and the Marriott, you see all that stuff. People assume that of vacation rentals. They just assume someone's checked all this stuff and uh, you've got to meet that assumption. For me, it was the babies. We had babies and I said, that's it. I went through this house like a fine tooth with a fine tooth comb everything works great. And I got smoke, uh, fire alarms in every room and you know, the whole nine yards. All right. Listen. Um, uh, all right. So how do I get a hold of you? Did you give us that already? Breezeway, uh, wh- where do we go? What's the website to take the class? Yeah. So Breezeway is a short term um, rental vacation rental platform that helps people manage the back of the house. There's a, you know, a million websites out there that help you get bookings, integrates with Airbnb to, to get yep. your booking. We've we had them on. Them. We've had them on. 
Yeah. So we help you manage your cleaning, your maintenance, your inspections. And that's what I do is I built all the inspection templates. So if you use the Breezeway software, you can get access to my safety inspection templates and my education. That safety course you get for free if you're a Breezeway customer. Um, so Breezeway.io, we're a tech company. Um, so that's why it's .io, not .com. And I'm easy to get in touch with that way. Safety at Breezeway.io is my email address. JustinFord.expert is my website. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Short-Term Rental Safety on Instagram, Short-Term Rental Safety on Facebook, Short-Term Rental Safety on LinkedIn. And I'm constantly posting and sharing as much information as I can um, to help people ensure that uh, they operate safely because you can. It's the one thing you can achieve. You'll, you'll never get your pricing right. You'll never get your mattress comfortable for every guest. Ah. Uh. You can you can make your rental safe. Okay, wonderful. That's great. I love it, man. You're going to help me sleep a little better at night. I appreciate your time. Uh, and on behalf of Short-Term Rental Management, uh, Luke Carl and Justin Ford, the movie star, uh, <laughs> reminding you to please uh, don't overthink it.